Welcome to the Thriving Farmer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Kilpatrick. Our mission is to inspire, educate, and celebrate sustainable farming. We believe that you can build a profitable, sustainable farm that gives you true farm freedom. Join us as we talk to farmers, innovators, educators, and entrepreneurs to glean their top takeaways in business and life. Hey, Thriving Farmers. I am here with Lori Rice. Now, Lori and I met a couple months ago and we were talking about what she does. And I thought it was super important to bring her on and share what she does with you. So she is a food photographer and writer. And so mainly she works with food brands. She works with agricultural boards and councils who are looking to take a product or just food and just share it in a beautiful way with the world. So welcome. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah. So this is going to be a little bit different interview. Um, And as I was saying earlier, we've never done something like this, but because of what you're talking about is very visual, you actually have a slide deck. And so what we're going to do is we are going to, you're going to just kind of go through that and share that and I'll interject a bit back and forth and we'll embed this presentation, the video of this presentation and your slide deck on our show notes page for your episode. So if you want to go to that, it'll be just thrivingfarmerpodcast.com and uh, just type in Lori Rice and it's L-O-R-I. Um, and that will pop right to the top or just food photography. We have a great search feature and we also have a great keyword search feature. So if you want to talk about a very specific thing she says, you can just type that phrase into the website in the search feature in the, the special keyword search area and it will pull right to that area in the video where she talks about that. So super cool feature and... She is also has a takeaway guide for you. So you can also just go to the show notes page at the bottom. There'll be a link to just grab everything she's talked about, kind of wrapped up in a couple of page um, guide for you as well. So lots of great info. So let's dive into it. Great. Sounds good. All right. So today I want to talk a bit about shooting fresh photos. So photos that food makers and farmers and market managers might be photographing to share their story with their fans and potential customers. So there are four different things that I'm going to cover. And we're going to talk a bit about setting your style. And then we're going to talk about the number one most important factor in your image, which is your light. So light 101. We're going to talk about heroes as they relate to food and product photography. And then I'm going to throw in a few tips for shooting fresh produce that is going to make it look a bit more appealing to your audience and those that are viewing your products virtually online in your newsletters. Mm -hmm. So I had a little bit of an intro about who I am, but I'll just cover this really quickly here. Uh, so you know that I'm a food photographer and stylist. One of my, my work has evolved to uh, be with mainly agriculture boards and councils and food brands. And then I work with book and magazine publishers as well. And then also, I consider myself a knowledge sharer. Uh, I teach food makers and creatives like this how to style and shoot better images in-house to market their small businesses. And uh, I have two cookbooks uh, that may or may not be of interest. Uh, a bit of a craft beer fan, so it's Cooking with Craft Beer, and then just last week, Beer Bread uh, released. So that's very out cool too. <laughs> and people can find those, I'm sure, on Amazon. Yeah, any, any uh, major bookseller, independent booksellers do have access to ordering it if you prefer to buy from a local bookseller. 
so yeah, they're uh, with Countryman Press, and I photographed and wrote both books. Very cool. And I do like, I don't go much into the past too much, but when I'm talking to uh, this particular audience, especially with fresh foods, I do have a background. I'm a nutritional scientist and I've worked the first part of my career in cooperative extension. So uh, a lot of time on farms, hobby farms, and those kinds of things. And that was in the state of Kentucky, which is just south of me. Yes, yes. So are yeah. you still located there or you moved to another area of the country? No, I'm in California now. I've been in California about seven years. Okay. Um, we were in Kentucky about 10. Very yeah. cool. So let's talk a little bit before we dive into the exact, uh, like the how-tos. Mm -hmm. Why is it important for farmers to take good photos? Well, essentially you're sharing your product or your process with those who you're trying to attract to buy those things and to show to show what you're pouring your passion into uh -huh. and good images just attract the people that you're wanting to share that story with. Uh -huh. Absolutely. And um, just to add to that, you know, there's all types of marketing opportunities that make it a good idea to have images on hand. So it might be that, you know, someone, I'm, I'm a writer as well as a photographer. And whenever I cover farms and I reach out to farms, sometimes uh, if the magazine doesn't have the budget to send a photographer out, they might ask for the farm to provide images of their products uh, or their farm. And then also, you know, running ads in local magazines, your newsletters, your website. So images all around have a uh, benefit. Yeah. And I know personally, you never can have enough images, even if you think I already took that shot, take about four more about just a couple different ways and you'll be glad you did. Right. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so yeah, really the thing that you, you start with when you're thinking about your images is what is your goal? And I feel like there are three different goals when it comes to this type of photography with mm -hmm. fresh foods and processes. And that is you're trying to share your process. So these would be on-farm images. Uh, you know, you're gathering the eggs, you're uh, planting, harvesting. But then there are two other categories, which are actually what I'm going to focus more on today. And that is you're trying to give your audience and spark ideas of what they could do with your produce. So, uh, or any type of food, could be meat, eggs, anything. Um, maybe it's a completed recipe or an ingredient shot of how they might use that. And then there's also the just picked that kind of, it also shows a bit of your process, but it, it really shows off the beauty as, mm -hmm. you know, of what you're trying to share with the world, with what you're growing. And so, like I said, we're going to talk about we're going to focus, we'll throw in ideas for the first one, but we're going to focus on the second too. And so the number one factor at play with your images is light. Like light in the direction of light on an image is what when you're scrolling through or you're flipping through a magazine, it's what is catching your eye. And so the thing is though, with light, there's one myth that many of us believe. And that myth is that outside is always better. So I am a 100%, 95% natural light photographer. It's what I choose to work with in my studio. It's both challenging and rewarding. But the thing is, when we don't, when we feel like we can't get enough light inside, we automatically think that if we go outside, it solves all our problems. More light is better. Mm -hmm. But the problem is that when you go outside, you have light from all different directions. So what that does is it dulls an image essentially. Ah, gotcha. You just can't put the contrast on it. Right, exactly. 
So you don't have directional light. You have light coming from all directions, which is kind of the opposite of that versus controlling it from one direction. And then you also have harsh light. So uh, you have, you know, shooting at times like 12 o'clock, you know, there's no way you're not going to get a blown out image. Uh, mm -hmm. Really, it's hard to anyway, but unless you control it. So the, I mean, really the first tip is to avoid the harshest light of day if you can, which this works well because typically you're harvesting in the mornings and things like that. And those are the best times to shoot or when you might have some extra time at, you know, close to sunset. So 10 to four, it's more like 10 to two. It just depends on what time of year it is. Uh -huh. uh, but avoid those harshest, that harshest light of day when you're taking pictures if you can. Mm -hmm. And then as cloudy days, are they a good time to be filming as well or shooting? Yeah, videos? cloudy days can be really, really beneficial. And actually the example uh, that I'm going to show you here is on a cloudy day. I got lucky here in California Central Valley. We mm -hmm. rarely have cloudy or rainy days and I ended up with a cloudy day. So that, that can be helpful. So I'll have a perfect example of what that'll look like. But yeah, once you... Uh, have the light, you're going to control the light. Once you go out, you're outdoors, you're going to control the light just as you would on an indoor set. So it works really well together. Uh, if you're shooting, maybe you're going to bring that produce inside. I'm going to show you this works always. So I set this up just in my backyard and okay. these are lemons from the tree in my backyard. And so what I'm going to show is just like uh, the far picture on the left is what it looks like I took a picture like of it like that, and I'll show you here in a second. Mm -hmm. And then what I did was I controlled my light. So basically I created directional light. And I did that just with foam boards that you would buy at a hobby store or a, you know, a school supply store and then just clips from Home Depot. Mm -hmm. Now I'll talk about this in a minute, but you don't have to have these supplies, but you can use different things to create the same set. And then I just kind of wanted to show you what it looks like when I was taking the shot. Now, the difference here isn't huge because I had that cloudy day, mm -hmm. but what I'll show you is with the bright image, it's bright, it could pass, it's, you know, it's a pretty image, it could pass well. But if you look at the differences for the detail and dimension that are added by adding those boards, you can see the rounding of the lemon. You've got dark shadows. And if yeah. you're scrolling through, it really pops out. And depending on what you're shooting, it can make a huge difference in things like blackberries and blueberries that are really dark. Getting those little tiny shadows can really help the image mm -hmm. pop. And you basically just created, for those of you listening, you just created like a 45 degree angle of those foam boards that mm -hmm. basically limited light from two directions of your shot. Now, would you recommend two or even three directions? You could do really, they're each going to create a different image. Typically okay. I work with two. When I have light coming from all sides, I would work with two. If I wanted a little bit, uh, if you want more of a kind of array of light going mm -hmm. directly on the subject then I would use more boards, maybe three. Mm, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And even one, if that's all you have, can add enough of a shadow to give a little bit of detail and help control the light. And that's kind of what I was getting to here is that, you know, even if you don't have those foam boards, that's the beauty of, even though outdoor light is challenging, it's also kind of the beauty of being outdoors and having all of different tools accessible to you. So you can create that 
foam board setup with boards that you might have outside. You could move to a doorway and shoot just inside the barn. Okay. Where light is just coming in and the, the other side is dark. You could take pots that you might have laying around uh, and set them up. Just something that's going to create a shadow on those sides. So you don't have to have those foam boards. You can use what's kind of naturally in your environment. Mm-hmm. And then if you are, if you find that you have to shoot during that really, you know, bright, harsh time of day, get a scrim or a sheer curtain to to filter the harsh light. Like the scrim shown here, it's not that big. You can find it on someplace like Amazon for less than $20. Or the curtain, I believe I got that at something like the dollar store and it's just a sheer curtain. So basically you're gonna put that between the light source and the image so that it filters a little bit and it's not so harsh and what's considered blown out, which is super white, kind of hurts your eyes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, so now that we have our light set, let's talk a little bit about choosing your hero because this is one of the things that when we're doing, when we take a shot, we take a shot of produce, a lot of times we just snap a picture and that's great. Sometimes you can get great pictures like that but it's best to have a hero. And when it comes to heroes, the hero is not only the best of the best of the subject you're shooting, so the best strawberry, the best carrot, the best tomato, but it's the specific spot on the best of the best that Mm. you're gonna focus on. So you're saying instead of going after the entire, let's say, thing of strawberries, you're taking that one strawberry and you wanna just basically make that the hero of the shot. Right, right. You're going to pick one and that'll also help you. One of the top questions that people always ask me, especially for style shots are like, how do you come up with how to style it? Well, mm-hmm. it really starts with picking your hero and then you build around it. So once you have your hero, you can kind of do that. Mm-hmm. So the circles that popped up here, they just kind of show with these particular shots, what the hero would be. Gotcha. And the thing is when it comes to overhead shots, sometimes we don't, we, you know, we just snap those and we don't always think about that, but it applies to these type of images too. So you have the oranges and the piece of uh, oregano and then the stone fruit. So you want to think about it, especially if you're styling fruits and vegetables and things around each other, you want to think about which is the point that you're truly focused on. And it becomes important both if you're using a DSLR or mirrorless camera, but also if you're just using your iPhone because, or any kind of phone, because you can typically touch the screen and that's your point of focus. Mm -hmm. And so if you have that point of focus selected in your image, even a phone shot becomes more beautiful and more uh, Mm well-styled. Okay, so this is something that I've started to add into presentations because it's always been something that I've skipped over because it's a common, it's, it's a rule in photography, all types of photography. And it's typically the first thing you learn when you start shooting. But what I found is I was kind of glossing over it. And I found that whenever I ask people about only about 50% of my audience have ever heard of it. <laughs> a lot of people have, but a lot of people haven't. So I want to yeah. bring it in here and show you how it works. So the rule of thirds, basically when you look at an image and it's a horizontal image, you want to break it into a grid that looks like this. And if we were shooting uh, vertical, you just flip it up on its side. Mm-hmm. But you want to think about putting your hero, that hero spot, in one of these circles where this, where this crosses. Okay, so there's like four magic circles. 
Yes. Yeah. So the idea of this is that this is where the eye goes and it creates the most appealing images. So it's all about comp composition and uh, what is going to be most appealing to the eye. Now, the thing is, I follow this a lot, but sometimes you need to get creative and sometimes you have other ideas for images. So I don't always use rule of thirds. Sometimes I will have things perfectly centered. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that you know what you're trying to create and you're creating it. So to me, I love centered images. This is not rule of thirds, but at the time I was shooting dozens and dozens of fig images. Yeah. So you've got to get creative and do things a little bit differently. Now, don't many cameras actually, you can turn the rule of thirds on, on your screen? Yes, you can't, you can uh, do the grid uh, there. Yeah. Some cameras have the capability of putting the grid up so you can do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if you are, if you're using a higher end, like a DSLR camera, you can, the points of focus often go around, you can move those around basically what is the rule of thirds. Gotcha. Subject. Yeah. Yeah. So the main thing with rule of thirds is use it when you're, when you're starting out and you're trying to figure out how to create the best images, but don't be afraid or think that a image isn't good simply because it doesn't follow that rule. Mm -hmm. So I also like to throw in a few tips about shooting produce because I know that it's one of the most popular, you know, with farms and food makers, it's one of even yeah. the ingredients going into uh, what you're making. So what I want to talk about are waters and oils and then pretty dirt versus dirty dirt, because there's a difference okay. from the eyes of the consumer. So I, I love to shoot in real life things as naturally as possible. But whenever you have produce that is just cleaned, when you're trying to get a shot of it, as you know, root, root uh, vegetables, you know, like radishes and things like that, they tend to dry out pretty quickly. And yeah. then they kind of have that, that dry, dusty look. So just putting a little bit of spritz of water on, or you could even, like with these radishes, you could even rinse them off and then shake them. Mm -hmm. and then take the shot right after that. It adds a glisten, it really catches the light. And then you can also, when you're shooting for yourself and maybe something you're not taking to sell later, you can use olive oil. So if you just put a little bit of olive oil on a paper towel, or you can use just a, you know, a watercolor paintbrush and brush it over the produce, it also creates a little bit of a sheen. And then it doesn't do anything to harm the food because you were probably gonna cook it with olive oil anyway. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Question? Yeah, so I one of the things I see people do is um, they just take like a whole mountain of produce. Um, would you just just they just sprinkle the whole thing with water before they try to take that shot, so they're not using a lot of oil on everything? Or um, yeah, I would always go with water first. Yeah, because uh, typically if those droplets, those beads come up, and you can even rub with water, like I mentioned with olive oil. Mm -hmm. Olive oil is just kind of a if you have it on hand and you're really wanting a glisten that you can't get with water, then I wouldn't do that, but I'd start with water. All right. Yeah. And so uh, the other thing that I, that I usually talk about is pretty dirt versus dirty dirt. So when things are freshly harvested and they have that 
you know, the dirt that's a little bit wet, it's crumbling off. It looks very natural and it's very appealing and it looks very fresh. Mm-hmm. But as you know, as soon as that starts to dry, it just gets kind of dusty and cakey and it's not really appealing for a picture. Mm-hmm. So the carrots here came out of my garden and I would say they're teetering just on the edge of going to dirty dirt. I just picked them a little bit earlier, but to me, that image is appealing. Obviously, everyone knows that they come to it from the dirt, but if it had gone and they got a little dustier and it wasn't so dark, yeah. it would be dirty dirt. So the thing is, if you want to create an image that looks a bit more natural, has a different touch to it, you can always add dirt back in, which I know sounds a little silly, but like these radishes are one of my best-selling stock photos on the stock sites that I sell on. And so I basically cleaned them first and then I went back and I added soil so that you can tell that they came from the dirt. They weren't right out of the dirt. <laughs> it had been yeah. a while, but those are just little touches you can add. Absolutely. So that's what I have to cover. I would love if you have some questions, I, you know, I'd love to answer it and go a little, into a little bit more detail. Yeah, no, absolutely. That was great. Um, talk to us a little bit about, you know, some of the common cameras out there are just, that's what everyone's got. Um, I know the iPhone now takes some really good photos. Are there any tips in particular for using some of those phones that you find um, make the difference between that good shot and that great shot? I really think any phone that's out right now is going to take a really high quality photo. I think it comes more towards having the light that you need coming yeah. in. That's the biggest thing is I think that we try to, you know, we, we set something down like a piece of produce and we try to take a picture of it and the lighting's just really bad. And all you really need to do is move that towards a door or a window, wherever yeah. you might be. And it drastically improves the image. So it's lighting. And then second would be styling. So, you know, pick off some of the leaves that might look a bit, you know, too dark and dreary you know, don't be afraid to kind of touch those kinds of things up and then, you know, spray a little water on that. It can just make a huge difference with the phone and yeah. with the camera as well. But uh, if you're, if you're shooting pictures that you don't like with your phone, it, it has the capability to take good images. And it's more about, I think, the styling and the light. Yeah. And I think that doorway is something I'm going to take away because I know exactly the, the feel that that gives and just seeing your pictures here. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I know exactly now how to go get that photo. Good. Yeah. Because you're right. We get those, those hot sunny days and when you pull something fresh, you're like, Oh, I just want to capture this, but you just, you just can't. So. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So talk to us a little bit about shooting, like doing photo shoots on the farm. Um, are evening better than morning if you're trying to go for that golden light or what are your thoughts? So there's a couple different times. The I like I think both morning and evening are or you know late afternoon are perfect mm-hmm. going either way. You are going to get more of a golden light in the morning. Okay. In the afternoon, the afternoon passes through two kind of uh, color phases, so to speak. So you have what a lot of people and I call golden hour where the sun's setting and it's nice and golden. So if you want kind of that golden sunset image, uh, I had a picture of tomatoes earlier that had that kind of golden glow and that's what time that was. Then as as you move into sunset, you move into kind of a blue zone. So it has a cooler tone. So you can get, those images are beautiful as well. I think typically the golden hour type images look a little bit better, but that 
super close to sunset time can work just as well. Mm -hmm. And I think you get some really interesting uh, perspective too from that later light because the light is so lower on the horizon and, and can be more severe sometimes. Correct. And it also, it essentially controls itself. So when you're at those times, you know, the light is coming from a very specific direction. Yeah. So you have to do less with boards and foam boards and things like that. A lot of times you can get really great shots without any other tools during those times. Mm -hmm. I know something that a lot of people, especially farmers are doing is shots of like a CSA box. So they're taking like, mm -hmm. you know, six or eight products and shooting them. Do you have any recommendations for that? Yeah. So get the produce coming up out of whatever you're shooting it in. So if you're in a very deep box or, or vessel, mm -hmm. put some uh, crumpled paper or anything like that. Obviously we want to be very, with those kind of marketing images, we want to be very honest about what is in there and what the customer is getting, right? Mm -hmm. But you can help it out by putting crumpled brown paper underneath and so that it lifts the produce in the box. So if you're doing an overhead shot, it brings it up to you and it doesn't look so deep and hollow. Okay. And then, you know, pull some of those things out in the sense of like, if you're doing radishes or carrots or something and the tops are on there, pull some of those out on the side so that they're spilling out, just kind of create, it's kind of about the styling with that. And you yeah. can even take it a step further with color and just be creative with the color, like put the green things together and the purple and let them flow throughout the box. Mm. That can be a little bit of a creative way to photograph it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's all the questions I had. Is there any other questions I should be asking? <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't think so. Um, let me think of if there are any that I had. Probably not that are going to apply to this particular thing when I gave yeah. the presentation. So this is another question I hear. Is it better to just be constantly snapping photos or do you recommend just like trying to kind of find some blocks of time to actually going out and getting a bunch of photos and just building that library? I think that you can definitely, if you have a phone or camera on you, you can catch some creative shots by shooting often mm -hmm. at different times. But I think if you're really wanting the perfect shot to use in marketing and have that you know, catalog of images to pull from, you should really set aside, even if it's just like one morning a month or one morning in a particular mm -hmm. season when something's coming on to take the time to get the freshest piece of produce, style it a bit, get some photos, get five photos. And then you have five photos of that particular piece of produce that you can use, you know, for years to come. Yeah. And the other thing is, when do you know the time has come for you to actually hire someone to start doing this for you? I think when it gets to the point where either you you, you don't either want to, everyone can develop the skill, but you've mm -hmm. decided that you just really don't want to do that or it totally overwhelms you. I think yeah. it's always a good option to outsource that. And, but the idea is, you know, is your marketing budget there to do it? And yeah. if, if not, then it can be, you know, just having a morning, a month and building up those photos can help. But I think when you get to that point, to that point where you feel overwhelmed by it or you are wanting images that are a little bit more advanced that you can't capture mm -hmm. because while you can use all kinds of tools, you know, there are 
types of shots that you can't get with a phone. Like you need a DSLR in certain settings and certain lenses, you know, super macro shots, or maybe an image where there's some movement in the background and blur and that kind of thing. So if you, if you reach that point where you're really wanting some more advanced images and you know that you don't want to, or don't have the time to put into learning gear or investing in gear, that's the time when you should outsource. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember when we were taking photos and this is a number of years ago, um, but we just didn't have those DLSR cameras. And so we actually traded with our local photographer, our CSA box, and -hmm. they just came out and were able to do some shots for us, which made a fabulous library. And some of the shots I still use today in our presentations. Mm -hmm. Yep. Trades are always really good. I always encourage food brands and, you know, makers that trades can work really, really well. Just go into it making sure that there's an even trade there and understanding how much photos really are. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've had some really great partnerships like that. And then I've had some people that have offered me things that retail for $25 and they want shots of their farm. (laughs) So it's kind of like go into it. Definitely. Those kind of, I would, I take advantage of those all the time. And the ones Mm -hmm. I take advantage of are those that we really understand each other and the investment on both ends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also try to think what's the, how can you maximize that relationship too? How can you share their brand more? How can they share your brand more? So can you both, you know, cross share on Instagram while you're doing the project together? So you all, you know, win. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Lori, thank you so much for your time today. I know when they go to the show notes, they can grab your um, guide, but do you have a website? Where can they follow you for more information? Yeah, so laurierice.com is where I'm at. And uh, they can also, the guide is there as well if they'd like mm-hmm. to get it there. And then uh, I'm, I am on Facebook, but I'm typically on Instagram more often. If people have questions, I'm really good at answering DMs on uh, Instagram. And then with, you know, my newsletter and the things that go out, I'm constantly, I teach online courses, but then mm-hmm. I also develop and send out lots of free content like Instagram lives, which then go on my IGTV, all filled with the kind of tips that I'm sharing here. So I really try to, to get out there and try to help people improve their images with, you know, these little, little changes. Mm-hmm. And on Instagram, it's just Lori underscore rice. Yes, correct. All right. Well, again, thank you so much for your time today and thanks for the tips. All right. Thanks so much for having me. So there you have it, another episode in the books. So I'd love if you would hop on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. Those mean everything to us. We love to hear what you're thinking. If you have a podcast guest that you can recommend, please pop on over to the Thriving Farmer podcast website and leave us a review. That's thrivingfarmerpodcast.com.